Today on the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, we are going to be talking about some of the media availabilities of Nick Cousins and Mark Stahl. And we're also going to be doing our first what if segment of the offseason, talking about what's going on in the Florida Panthers past, present, and future of what if scenarios. And we are going to discuss the latest Team USA World Junior Camp invites. And unfortunately, we're going to have to have a very uncomfortable conversation about the latest that's going on in for Team Canada, all on this Wine Ins Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into this Wednesday, July 20th edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. We're your team every day. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Armando Velez from pantherparkway.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at monoman 12 Follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore FLA Panthers. Don't forget to also follow Locked On Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Roden and Locked On NHL will be covering all the off-season activities around the National Hockey League. So, guys, it's a Wine Ins Wednesday edition of the show. Uh, like we said at the top, we are going to uh, first discuss really the latest Florida Panthers who, ha- who have had some media availabilities. And we've talked about really how the Florida Panthers' approach has really been with the situation that they've been in with the cap, really bringing in some veterans to the franchise on the cheap on the NHL level and even on the AHL level to mentor some of the young guys uh, down in Charlotte. But let me bring in my guest here on the show, Jacob Winans here. And Jacob, great to have you back as always on a Winans Wednesday edition of Locked On Panthers. Thank you for having me. I'm kind of in the heat of the off season now, just the, the long wait till regular season. So I'll be here every week. Uh, absolutely. And uh, I, I don't necessarily know on the top of my head the days counting until opening night. You know what? Maybe I should set a, a calendar on on like an app to see like when October nineteenth uh, for at least home opener will be. So got don't know that on the top of my head. But let's talk about really the latest media availabilities for the Panthers on their new signings. Uh, on Monday, we we had Nick Cousins speak to the media. Really, uh, just coming off. Uh, two seasons with the Nashville Predators a few years ago, making a conference final with the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, Mark Stahl, a 35-year-old defenseman, veteran defenseman, who's played 14 years in the National Hockey League, 12 of them with the New York Rangers, the last two uh, with Detroit. And really, it, it the more I think about it, with, like I said, the cap the cap crunches that the Florida Panthers have, it's not, it's not the b- biggest signings for this team. But when you talk about players who have made it far at least in the in the postseason it, it, it gives me more optimism and especially the way they talk about the group that the Panthers have that these could be good value signings yeah I absolutely agree um we're, we're talking about guys who have playoff experience and Mark Stahl especially um he's he's played in the Stanley Cup final he's yeah. he's gone as, as with New York anyway as, as far as he can go uh short of winning the cup um, 
he has the experience. He was at one time a one of the top defensive defensemen in the game. Um, so honestly, the the skill, the the ability, the the speed may not still be what it used to be, but um, the head on his shoulders is still um, he's still one of the smartest hockey minds in the game. So I, I think he's going to have a place here on the roster. And he showed in Detroit he wasn't he he still has something left in the tank. Um, he, he his numbers weren't atrocious on a really bad Detroit team. Um, he spent some time with Mo Sider, and I think if you ask Mo Sider uh, if, if Mark Stahl was a good influence on his game, he would absolutely tell you yes. Um, so it, it's exciting to have him. Uh, Nick Cousins is another interesting signing for me. Um, a lot of us uh, Panther fans have not liked him very much the past couple seasons, especially <laughs> during the COVID year, um, having to play the Predator so often. It seemed like he and Huberto had a personal issue going uh, every time they matched up. Uh, they had a couple of fights. They were antagonizing each other some pretty nasty cross checks and uh during nick cousins media availability he says huberto called him to welcome him to the team so um you know that's hockey and it kind of reminds me of the uyghur and achari story um they played that that prank on uyghur when achari was signed um flashing back to their fight so um, mm-hmm. that's that's how hockey goes and it, it's going to be exciting to see how these guys fit in sometimes you kiss you make up and you move on and i remember there was a specific moment towards the beginning of that COVID season where Huberto just had a very devious laugh as the face-off was being conducted and then they were just dropping the gloves uh, in the very beginning of that of, of that COVID uh, season. And I remember one of the games, it was like, the it cost the Panthers a game with a lost challenge and then losing it in overtime. It, it feels like that was such a long time ago. Crazy to think. And, but going back to Mark Stahl, I mean, he didn't lead... He, he wasn't near the top of t- um, t- time on ice in all situations for the Detroit Red Wings last season. However, in shorthanded time on ice, he led all defensemen uh, uh, on the Detroit Red Wings in that category of being on the ice during a, a very a very crucial part of the game when you're shorthanded. And I know, once again, plus minus isn't the end-all be-all, but for a team like the Detroit Red Wings, who had one of the worst goal differentials in the National Hockey League last season, Mark Stahl was specifically only a minus one throughout the season. So that has to account for something. Yeah, Mark Stahl is, is kind of the uh, the epitome of the, the old saying with defensemen. If you don't notice them, they're doing their job. Uh, a good defenseman is not supposed to be noticed. Mark Stahl is that in, in a player. Um, he doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything fancy, but... Uh, he blocks shots. He he throws his body. He's never in the wrong position. Um, penalty killing was a huge problem for the Panthers in the playoffs. Um, it was a problem for the Panthers in the last playoffs. Penalty killing just has not been up to par for the Panthers. And Mark Stahl is a guy who can who can really help uh, turn that in the right direction. He blocks shots. He, his stick is always is always in the proper spot. He doesn't get pulled out of his gaps. Um, I really like what he can bring to to the penalty kill, uh, and he just plays stable minutes. He can't give you 20, 20 to twenty five minutes a night anymore, but he can definitely give you a solid fifteen to eighteen where he does his job and you don't have to worry about him. So, um, I, I really do like what he brings to the table. Um, Nick Cousins is another guy who who has that, a similar impact. He's gritty. He's going to play in all situations, but penalty kill is not a problem for him. Um, but Mark Stahl is definitely, definitely that guy. Uh, he's he's hockey tough. Um, he he blocks shots and, and even blocked one with his eye one time. Uh, totally unintentional, but um, 
you know, he's, he's made a great career out of doing this exact thing. So it's exciting to see him join the team. Yeah. And looking at some of the block shots for, uh, for Mark Stahl, 2014, 2015, uh, the year after the Rangers made it to the Stanley cup final, uh, 123 block shots in 80 games. Uh, the very next season, 2015, 2016, 120 in 77 games. And, you know, the, in 71 games, he had 75. I mean, you're having a, a block per game. So you're, you're putting yourself in position uh, consistently. So that's even though, like you said, he won't be playing the big minutes and he probably won't be even on the top penalty kill unit uh, next season. But hey, if, if a situation comes where one of your top penalty killers happens to be in the box, you can insert him. And it, it, it's not as it's not I don't think it doesn't kill your team that much. Right. So like, like we're talking about with Mark Stahl, you want stability. Um, you want a guy who's going to play those bottom pair of minutes and not make mistakes. And that's exactly what you're going to get with Mark Stahl. Um, you said he had 75 block shots in 71 games. That's over a block per game. It, again, in limited ice time, he, he's playing third pair of minutes. So um, he, he's going to come in and he's going to bring that element to the team. And uh, that, that's the on the ice stuff, but off the ice, this is a guy who's, who's seen everything you can see in the NHL. Um, the experience is there. He's been, he's been on winning teams. He's been on losing teams. He knows everything there is to know about the NHL. So, um, it's, it's an exciting, it's an exciting addition that not a whole lot of people really saw coming. I don't think anyone really paid much attention to it, but it, it's an exciting addition. And I, I will remind everybody, Colorado last off season, they had a very similar, a uh, very similar approach last off season to signing, um, veterans depth players and if you look at the guys who contributed to their cup run uh they got huge they got huge meaningful performances out of guys like andrew cogliano and darren helm and all these guys who no one's going to pay attention to them as flashy signings but they're going to do their job and they're going to contribute to the bigger goal of winning so that's what mark Stahl is all about mm. And the the crazy thing about it is Mark Stahl got that call from Bill Zito when he was golfing in Pebble, Pebble Beach in California, one of the most iconic venues in all of golf. Like mm -hmm. that was one of the venues that Tiger Woods won in 2000 on his way to the Tiger Slam where he won four majors in a row. And it's funny because this past weekend was the open at St. Andrews. And that was another venue that Tiger won at in, in, in the year in 2000, 2001. So crazy how that all just connects uh, from this weekend, signing Mark Stahl. And of course the open being at uh, St. Andrews. Uh, Nick Cousins also mentioned about how Jonathan Huberto called him to welcome him. Like you, like you mentioned. And of course what Nick Cousins also praise the Panthers was how they were built up the middle because I think center and left wing at least in the in the in the in the top of the lineup it's pretty much set really the question is really the the right side of of the forward lines and also he also has connections with Anthony Duclair playing with him in Arizona in a, in a brief time with Radko Gouda so you know People talk, uh, uh, people talk around the league outside of the game you know you still create connections from different different um times playing with players and you know it, it it seems to be he spoke about yesterday how it seems to have a good vibe in the locker room and of course um winning winning has helps a lot with that so ca catching up with an old teammate hey it, it's a it, it it really pays dividends for both nick cousins getting his stability and the panthers bringing in a veteran yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. It's always helpful going to a new team when there's a friendly face in there that you're familiar with. But 
Um, where Nick Cousins is concerned, I think I think he he slots in nicely on that third line, um, potentially on the fourth line if if someone really breaks out in camp. But uh, Nick Cousins plays that bottom six left wing uh, and center roles. He he can fill either one, and he does it well. Um, again, a guy who's not afraid to throw his body. He's not afraid to get in the corners and win board battles. But he's also a sneaky good playmaker. Um, he's got some passing ability to his game. Uh, he can finish in, in the crease. I, I really like what he brings to the table. Um, I think if he is on a line with Anton Lundell and potentially Sam Reinhart, you try to replace Marchment as best you can. Nick Cousins is a guy who's going to get the first crack at doing that. Um, and I really, I really do like his fit. Um, I think the, the signing itself, the contract, it's very team friendly. Um, and, and I'm really looking forward to what he can bring to the bottom six because he brings an element of, of playoff style hockey to that bottom six. Uh, and you're getting him at the right time in his career. He, he's in, in the right phase of his career. He's in his prime. And um, I think he's going to make a major contribution. Uh, he's one guy I could really see having the best season of his NHL career. Absolutely. And 17 playoff games in that in that one season with Vegas definitely uh, can bring definitely something to the table for uh, the Panthers. So we're going to discuss next on this episode of Locked On Panthers, our first "What If" uh, s- segment of the off season. It's going to be a fun, exciting one. We're going to start off with a definite bang, but first, we're going to tell you all about Bet Online. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all the, your favorite sports and events at num- at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball. If you were watching the All-Star game yesterday, as a Marlins fan, you saw Sandy Alcantara pitch a 1-2-3 inning, and we saw former Marlin and current Yankee Giancarlo Stanton hit a two-run bomb uh, last night. Uh, don't, don't tell anyone, but, you know, Jacob's a Yankee fan. But, hey, at least he's not a Met fan. That, uh, that's, a, that's a better thing in these parts of South Florida. But you can get it all on Bet Online with Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live, in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to um, BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Second segment here on this Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I got Jacob Winans here uh, on this show. And Jacob. We spoke about our first what if of we were of we were going to talk about prior to the show. Didn't give away any spoilers on what I was thinking along the lines. But a conversation came up yesterday on our locked on host group chat. And one of the questions was, why hasn't Phil Kessel still signed with the team? And the first thing I thought of was saying how how Pete People don't want to deal with a streak ending, and they don't want to be that team to be responsible for it. So I want to relate this back to the Panthers, where the Panthers were kind of trapped in that situation just two seasons ago about Keith Yandel and his Ironman streak, which eventually ended when he went to Philadelphia. So I want to, with our first what-if scenario for the Panthers, what if the Panthers decide the the coaching staff, mind you, and management decided to just say, "We don't care about your streak, Keith Yandel. 
we are going to scratch you because you we we feel that we need opportunities for other players what what if the panthers decided to scratch Keith the end of opening night of 2021 wow um so that that if you if people recall was a, a really really huge story uh kind of caused a, a bit of an uprising across the league uh even some threats of legal action um which i'm not sure how how that would even make sense but um it was it was a big deal uh, with the nhlpa and and every and players around the league that that kind of trashed the panthers brass for for wanting to scratch yandel um and i kind of wish they had uh because that whole season it just dragged on and on and on the yandel saga and i think it it took a negative toll on the the team uh they're playing on the ice because the entire time they they went through this season it was one weak link on that defense uh, Anton Strawman was getting older and was by no means a, a, a good player at that time. But Keith Yandel was un, undoubtedly the worst, the worst player on the on the Panthers um, for for his whole last season here. Um, I feel like if he had been scratched, it opens doors to to other players, and and the Panthers can cut ties and move on a little bit earlier than they did. But the one thing that I would say is if the Panthers had scratched him, I don't think his his trade value would have tanked as quickly as it did. Um, I think him being exposed that entire season completely tanked his trade value to the point where the Panthers could not move him and had to buy him out. And if they had, if they had simply scratched him, there was such an uproar from players around the league saying, this guy shouldn't be scratched. Preserve his streak. He's still, he still has something left in the tank. I think the Panthers realistically could have traded him out of Florida um, had they scratched him, I think he would have waived his no movement clause because he had already been scratched. The relationship would have been broken. And I think someone out there, uh, Philly comes to the top of my head as a team that he, he may have, may have been traded to or Boston at the time was looking for an offensive, uh, puck moving defenseman. So really, I think if, if the Panthers had scratched him that game, if they had held firm, they may have ruffled some feathers in the locker room and upset some people. But I think they probably were would have been able to trade him, and we would not be in this cap situation right now where we're paying his massive buyout charge this upcoming season. That's exactly where I was going because the I believe that even if there was a rift in the locker room for a, for a little bit, once he plays some games, it's not necessarily that I don't think they'll forget about it. But I think they'll be more focused. I would like to think that they would be more focused on the games ahead of them and trying to win instead of letting something like this d- um, divide the locker room. I, I would think, especially who, especially with who they had at, with, at coach at the time. Who, um, so I would like to think that they would, they would not let it tear them apart is what I'm saying. I don't know what the lasting effects would have been as far as relationships go, but you're absolutely right on trade value. And you mentioned Boston um, in that one. That's his hometown too. So that, that could have been a better, possibly a better uh, fit for him emotionally and get having an, an opportunity to go back to his family up there. He's currently a free agent right now. He hasn't necessarily retired but after the season he had in Philly, I'm not sure whether or not he'll be signed. Um, Phil Kessel 
hasn't been signed neither. Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to double check whether to see Patrick Marlowe is officially retired or not. But he is. He, uh, okay, so he is. But even before he officially announced his retirement, he was having a hard time finding a team as well because of that streak. And that puts a lot of pressure on teams to, to do so. So even if you get a little bit of an asset back and just for a salary dump and just say, hey, take, take some of this salary for now, Give us a freaking seven. I don't care <laughs> at that point. And, you know, even as a third pairing defenseman, we saw how he was burned on that third pair all year when we realized at the time the only reason he's there is that streak. And it's just like it was like felt like an anchor that was dragging this team down all throughout that 2021 season. And now we're starting to see the lingering effects of the whole Dale Talon and Tom Rowe era. I mean, you put a no movement clause in his contract for seven years after um, coming from the Rangers, and it's just the the no movement clause part hurts. And also, it doesn't it doesn't help that there was an expansion draft, so you had to do everything you could have at that time to protect Forsling. That was the main one that that the Panthers that was priority as far as their defensemen pri- prioritizing Forsling. So it could have come at a situation where you didn't you didn't have to make i don't know i don't know if the proper word is panic move but you had to make a move that was just like we can't no we can no longer have this guy on our on our team and let someone else maybe a non playoff team be part of that and look what happened philly philly officially scratched them you didn't hear the uproar that was there like there was in florida i at least i don't remember but it's crazy what happens with when it happens just a year apart. Yeah, definitely. So if you want to, if you want to get dive really into it, um, one, if you, if they had been able to trade him, I really do think they could have, they could have salary dumped him similar to what they did with Anton Strollman. You pay someone a second or, or a third uh, to take on his salary. Um, you get a conditional pick back, essentially nothing, um, but it, it clears up that salary. But if I think the three teams that really had a shot at getting him or, or were really interested in getting him uh, via trade, it, it's Philly, it's Boston, it's New York. Um, New York, I don't think would have pulled the trigger. Um, they were kind of in a soft, uh, a soft rebuild uh, to kind of get to where they are now uh, investing in their youth. But Philly, I really feel like Philly would have taken him at full salary um, if they had. Now they're the team that's strapped at the buyout. And you, you wonder how that would have played into Claude Giroux this past season. Uh, you wonder how that would have played into their offseason this year, where they say they, Philly is the team now that has a $5.9 million cap hit uh, next season. I wonder how that, how that affects what they would have done this offseason. Um, and, and if Boston is the team that takes him in a trade, they don't, definitely don't have the salary at the trade deadline to go get a guy like Hampus Lindholm. Um, so it very easily could have been Philly or Boston dealing with these cap issues that we're dealing with this, this season coming up. And, you know, it, it, it sucks that it, it turned out the way it did. Um, but when he was scratched in Philly, it, it seemed that people understood why there, there were some guys who wanted him in the lineup because Philly was already out of the playoffs, but, um, he, he had the worst plus minus in the entire league, um, are like without a doubt by every metric every advanced stat every surface stat he was the worst the worst defenseman in the nhl this season uh, i think he's going to be hard pressed to find another team 
Um, but the Panthers really, if they had scratched him, I, I really feel that, that they would have been able to get, get out from under the, the weight of, of the Keith Yandel effect um, much cleaner than they, they ended up uh, having to. But you, you, you made a very good point about uh, Tom Rowe and um, uh, Tom Rowe and Dale Talon. So Keith Yandel was the last of the Tom Rowe signings uh, to go. And now um, we only have one Dale Talon, uh, one signing from Dale Talon's last offseason with the Panthers still remaining, and that's Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, but with Nola Chari signing in St. Louis, that last offseason Dale Talon had where he went big, uh, handed out a bunch of money and tried to make us a contender, Brett Connolly was shipped off. Um, Strawman. He's, he, Strawman is, is sent away, and Nola Chari has now signed elsewhere. So it, it's just Bob remaining now. Um, it's, it's really, uh, that was a swing and a miss of an off season for Dale Talon looking back on it. And, uh, Tom Rowe, the same can be said when it comes to Keith Handel's contract. Absolutely. And, um, now we're, as we approach year three of the Zito era, now we're starting to see like really how his moves are, um, affecting, uh, the team, of course, brought him to his president's trophy last year, but of course it required, shipping off some assets in order to fix what the what happened previously as well without and you know and thankfully they were doing all this without uh tanking so that that's a good thing about getting all the way to the president's trophy but hey we're all about trying to eventually get the stanley cup and hey the, the team is still good enough to do so in the third and final segment we are going to discuss some of the USA World Junior Camp invites from the Florida Panthers, as well as talking about the latest situation with Hockey Canada going on, all on this Winans Wednesday edition of Locked On Panthers. Third and final segment here on this Winans Wednesday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. Got Jacob Winans here. Uh, and Jacob, a few camp invites from the Panthers uh, The for with the US with the world juniors being postponed from what happened last December of course with the omicron variant uh spreading and really everybody going down this uh this time around the world juniors is uh from last year has been rescheduled for starting August 9th and three uh panthers uh prospects who have been part of the USA national development team are part uh, and are part of the team we have one from each uh Really, it's really spread out as far as like where they're drafted. Of course, Mackie Samuskevich, really before it got postponed last season, um, Samuskevich had a goal for Team USA in their one and only game. Uh, Six-round goalie from this past draft, Tyler Muzelik, uh, is also part of the camp invite. The, not necessarily part of the team. We don't know those results yet. And, of course, uh, Jack Devine, uh, Mike Benning's uh, teammate for, for – uh, for their national championship at the university of Denver, a seventh round pick 221st overall, but the latest, and I haven't really spoken about this on the show yet because I wanted more information to come out before officially talking about it. But like we spoke about off camera before recording and trigger warning for anyone um, um, listening to this uh, for, because this is a topic about sexual assault and, I, so for anyone who doesn't know that what's going on there, the 2018 hockey Canada world junior team, eight players have been accused of sexual assault during their time uh, with the world junior team. And a lot of them are very recognizable names in the NHL who are currently playing today and more findings of this, 
of this lawsuit that's going on and this investigation uh, goes to show about s- cell phone recording videos of of the of the assault. Uh, players coming out like Robert Thomas of the St. Louis Blues and Connor Timmons uh, of the Arizona Coyotes uh, coming out. And here's the worst one, Jacob, that I, that I heard today is that Hockey Canada puts multi. M- multi-million dollars of money away for cases of sexual assault and hearing this is i was in shock but it but at the same time i was like disappointed but not surprised at the same time because of course they that's an organization that needs to protect themselves but at the same time why 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 are we at this point where you have to put money away in case these situations come yeah. Um, so th- the way you open that, I, I think, is is a great illustration of, of what this is supposed to be about. You know, um, World Junior Championships are are a huge deal. Uh, it's it's supposed to be a, a celebratory occasion. It's it's a, a dream on on so many players' um, checklist on their way to to hopefully making it to the NHL and winning a Stanley Cup. Every player who ever plays hockey wants to represent their country. Um, and like you said, we have three Panthers representing Team USA in camp right now. Congratulations, congratulations to them. Um, but what happened with this Hockey Canada team in, in 2018, it is it's everything that hockey's not supposed to be. Um, it, we, we don't know who the players are. We know some of the players who have denied any involvement, but uh, we don't know who, who in particular was involved in what happened. Um, but it, it's it's everything that, that needs to not be a part of hockey. It's, it's ridiculous that we're, that we're even at this point. Um, and Hockey Canada, quite honestly, should be ashamed of themselves for how they've handled this beginning to end. Um, at first, they, they kind of covered it up to, from the very beginning. It, no one wanted this story getting out. Uh, you, you throw, the, the stereotypical move is to throw settlement money at someone when this, when this type of thing happens just to keep it quiet. And it's not something that, something that can be kept quiet. It's not something that should be kept quiet. Um, victims of these situations, you don't just shoo them away and, and give them a check. Um, the fact that Hockey Canada had a reserve fund available for these situations, it just shows where where their minds were at as far as if these problems come up, we need to have money to, to get rid of the problem instead of addressing it in-house and and being harsher with your penalties and make, making a zero tolerance policy. You can't claim zero tolerance on anything if you have a reserve fund to take to get rid of the problems to get rid of the problems that come up for you. Uh, if you're truly zero tolerance, then the fund should not be about about paying the victims to be quiet. It, it should be going towards sexual assault training or immediately banning players and and, and uh, offering support to the to the victim in ways other than just a settlement check. Um, paying someone a settlement does not does not change what they've gone through and these players go on to enjoy nhl success um they they win medals they win trophies they get paid million dollar contracts and they face no consequence because a settlement has been paid and they just get to move on and they never learn a lesson and and that's how you have a generational issue uh in, in in hockey and anywhere in life if this is a a practice that you allow to happen so i think hockey canada should be absolutely ashamed of themselves and um you know, I, I really do have faith that this investigation is going to turn up with, with facts and, and um, the people who, who 
did these horrible acts are, are going to, they're going to have to face the consequence. And I hope the NHL takes it very, very seriously and how they decide to, to hand out punishment should this, uh, should this be brought to light entirely. And you, you spoke about how, yeah, you pay millions of dollars in settlements, but people don't consider what the victim is going through emotionally and, and all the, all, all the counseling that they'll have to go through in order to try to, you know, to get over that emotional hump that they, they've been through because that it's, it's easy for people who haven't gone through anything like that to just say, to just say, move on from it. No, it's, it's not that, it's not that simple for, for anyone um, to, to go through something like that. We just, uh, of course the Kyle Beach story had it come out at the time of that situation happening in in it, it, for the 2018 hockey canada world junior team but still these that first being brought to light should raise so many alarms and saying you do this this is going to happen this this has to be zero tolerant this has to be zero tolerance on on any level it doesn't matter and it's so bad it's i saw i saw i saw something today that was like even more shocking it's so bad when even the prime minister of canada justin trudeau is talk is coming out and talking about this situation as well with with hockey canada and and for the canadian listeners this is just to, to say whether i agree with uh justin trudeau's policies um or or not i don't really know much of his policies and, and so i don't have really an opinion but justin trudeau the the leader of their country even talking about and calling them out as well that that's how you know that this is a huge deal yeah uh, it's an issue that's been in that's been in hockey culture for so long and it's something that we're that we're really trying hard uh, as a hockey community everyone needs to be trying to get this out of of of, of our sport and you've seen it with things like concussions you've seen it with things like um race race issues and you and it's coming to light now with sexual assaults and things like that. The idea that you can brush these problems aside in the chase of hockey glory and winning takes priority over these these real life issues, it has it, it has to be gone. The, it, when something like this happens, it needs to be career ending. Uh, if if you if you did something like this, your career needs to be over. Uh, it has to be zero tolerance. There's no there's no uh, wiggle room there as far as I'm concerned. Um, these, these are guys who are between the ages of 18 and 20 years old. They know better. They are adults at that, at that point. There's no, there is no tolerance for, for, for this. And if you're not a hockey player and you're just a random citizen on the street and you, and you do an act like this, there is no million dollar settlement fund to cover your, to cover your mistake. You don't get that privilege just because you're a hockey player. Um, and I would say this, imagine, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be for a victim, whether they got paid or not to turn on your TV to watch Hockey Night in Canada and you see a, a player being celebrated and glorified on TV knowing what they have what they what that player may have done to you i can't imagine what that what that could be like as a victim and and to be the only one who knows that and the world doesn't know what they've really done and who they really are outside of outside of their hockey success um, that's just really hard to think about and it's not fair to put a victim in that position um, so honestly, Hockey Canada, they, they should be ashamed of themselves for how they've handled this. Um, some things just are not as, some things are more important, I should say, than, than just winning a medal, winning a tournament. 
you can't you can't brush these problems aside. Mm. And that is why that when this fan base was a, a good portion of it was one speaking out about wanting Coach Q back. That for me personally, it just didn't feel right to entertain bringing him back because first of all, a, a reinstatement from the league has to happen first. But other than that, there, I also personally thought there was nothing to talk about on that front. But also for the Panthers to to move on in in a, in a different direction, it's like no, this is this is not this is not the package that we want as far as bringing him back, and. Personally, for me, I felt like it was the right decision for me to like not not talk about that and entertain it when it when it shouldn't have been. And hopefully, we find out more about what what is to come out of this investigation. And unfortunately, when we know more about it, it's something that's going to be talked about here on Locked On Panthers. But Jacob, I want to thank you for joining on this Wine and Wednesday edition of Locked On Panthers. We had a very fun show talking about the the press conferences and of course we had to have a, a very difficult conversation about what's going on in the game but for everybody for to, to tell everybody who's listening tell them where they can find you online absolutely uh you can find me on twitter at jacob one into eight and you can find my work at pantherparkway.com and armando i do want to thank you for for bringing up that topic as difficult as it is for everyone to talk about and to hear it, it is important uh to shed light on it so using this platform here to do so is a uh, big respect to you Thank, thank you so much, and I'll see you next Wednesday. Yes, sir. I will be here. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast to be notified every single time the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Make sure to listen to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey with Flip Livingstone and Steel Road, and we'll be covering all the off-season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you for making the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in in the hockey world. Locked On NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast. So I'm Armando Velez with Jacob Winans. And you've been listening to Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're your team. Every day.